0: This is the Friday, July 1, 2022 version of the market analysis segment from Market to Market. Quarterly grain stocks numbers and an acreage report joined weather as topics of conversations at the kitchen table. The market quickly digested the news and grains made a run lower for the week. The nearby wheat contract plummeted again, this time off 91 cents or 10 percent, while September corn dropped 46 cents. Soybeans briefly rode the wave of fewer acres planted before turning sharply lower. The nearby soybean contract improved 8 cents. August meal added 10.70 per ton. December cotton fell 57 cents per hundredweight. Over in the dairy parlor, August class 3 milk futures lost $1.17. Lower grain boosted some of the livestock. August cattle added $1.22. August feeders put on $2. And the August lean hog contract declined. 380. In the currency markets, U.S. dollar index improved by 96 ticks. August crude oil gained 91 cents per barrel. COMEX Gold lost 22.70 per ounce. And the Goldman Sachs Commodity Index fell 15 points to finish at 718.70. Joining us now to break down these markets, our friend Elaine Cubb. Hello, hello, hello.
1: Happy birthday, Paul.
0: Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Also to Naomi Bloom.
1: Absolutely. Happy birthday, Naomi. But not yours. Not this month.
0: Not today. Anybody celebrating who has wheat right now?
1: Well,. I mean, what's wrong with, it? you know, it's, it's still what's nine, wrong with a nine dollar thousand dollars, yeah. but you know, if you're harvesting wheat in Kansas, let's say this past week, uh, the yields have been extremely variable in between some of them have been good protein generally above 12%. So I think the general attitude from the harvest has been pretty positive. People are pretty happy with it. And if you're just going to take it to the elevator and sell it for $9 cash, I mean, I know it's not as good as it once was a few months ago, but in historical terms, you know, it's still $9 wheat.
0: So when you put it into the perspective, and and that's what I heard somebody describe, the stock market. Yes, it's been a. We're six months into the year. It's been a terrible year when you look at it in that standpoint. But if you go back five years, it's pretty good. So closing September week eight forty six. What are you doing come Tuesday? When the right. market's reopened.
1: This is the problem. I knew some I knew you were gonna ask me this. And I, I honestly don't know what to say about wheat because there's not there's not like a clear seasonal expectation in wheat. There never is, which is one of the reasons why I think a lot of producers do tend to just sell off the combine at harvest because you know, there there isn't necessarily always a harvest low. It's usually an okay time to do it. And it's just so volatile and it's so based on what's going on in the rest of the world. It's actually the European wheat futures were the ones that sort of triggered this slide and the Kansas City futures have since outpaced them in this downward movement. But um, because you don't really have any sort of expectation that it's necessarily going to recover, but it might recover if something else strange happens in Ukraine or Russia, you know, it's it's a really tricky answer. And, you know, like I said, it's $9 wheat. It's not wrong to sell $9 wheat.
0: Well, in the Russia story, I mean, there's this, oh, all of a sudden Russia has all this wheat on the market. Ah, uh, yes. And the, spirit, the thought is they're stealing it from Ukraine. Absolutely. So what is that doing for maybe the global price and the global outlook.
1: Absolutely. I think that's absolutely the reason why that European wheat futures did trigger this slide, did start sliding. The Financial Times had a really good investigation where they had satellite imagery of grain ships being loaded out of Crimea, which doesn't grow a lot of wheat. So it's, it's wheat that has been stolen or coerced um, from Ukrainian farmers, and then the bill of lading says Russia. So that's absolutely what's happening. And I think it's completely bananas, right, to think that that would send the price of wheat down to know that stolen grain is coming on the market. But from a supply and demand perspective, it is relieving that Middle Eastern wheat market. It's getting into Turkey and Syria, and so that's absolutely what's happening.
0: The market might not necessarily care where it comes from as long as it gets to...
1: The supply is there.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right, in corn... Uh we're dealing with this whole knee-high by the 4th of July. We're past it. We've always been past that. But there's some corn. No, not this year. That's the thing. Yeah. This year it actually is yeah. lower. It's behind schedule. What's that doing to this market?
1: Well, yeah, it's a funny time for, for corn condition ratings. Yeah, and where I'm from in the eastern Dakotas, it is short, but I have short knees. It absolutely is knee-high by the 4th of July. But
0: <laughs> Always is, right?
1: Yeah, so this is fine. Um, but it is interesting. I think it'll probably catch up. The more interesting thing is the flash drought scenario sort of in southern Minnesota, portions of Iowa. There's a streak of it from like Minnesota, Missouri into Indiana. So there's places where they really do need this rain, and we're getting the rain. In fact, I was driving through on the, on the drought monitor, there's a little red... Spot south of Sioux City, and as I was driving through there today, it was raining, so you got to think we've got three days. I'm being told
0: Sioux City (laughs) wants you to drive back through there on your way home.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, so we have three days of weather before the market's going to open back up again on Tuesday. So I you know, it really depends how much rain happens and where it happens and who chooses to respond to that. Do farmers choose to respond to that rain by selling more, or do speculative traders choose to respond to a lack of rain by, you know, putting in more risk premium? I really couldn't predict what's going to happen on Tuesday, but I suspect there will be a large movement one way or another based on this weather.
0: But that was also a, a school of thought going to the whole people are selling. Maybe it's the speculators, maybe it's not. Ahead of that, such a long, vital, volatile window. And that's maybe most of this... Or do you think this is when are we going to sort that out?
1: Yeah, this is the time of year. Absolutely. This is not a coincidence that we're having a big market movement at this time of year. I looked back, you remember 2012, 10 years ago, this is when we had that big vertical run up because this is when the market looks around, can really make a confident prediction about yields because it is knee high. I mean, it's at a, a growth stage where you can be pretty confident about how yields might eventually turn out in a normal year. So this is absolutely, it happened in 2008, 2011. This is very much the time of year when the market sort of gets an overall feeling for what the crop is going to do and trades correspondingly.
0: The market's saying prove it. And finally, yeah. maybe the weather has proven yeah. that it's yeah. that way. All right, soybeans, because that's also the same story, yeah. similar in beans. However, <laughs> less acreage. Yeah. There was thought that we were going to have less acres, yeah. but not this much. But there's a caveat it's like the USDA got an extension on its term paper.
1: Yeah. Right? Very much so. They, they put out a number, which is an ostensibly bullish number, saying we only have 88 million acres of soybeans planted instead of 90 million acres. So if nothing else changes and you took those millions of acres off, you there goes your 280 million bushels of ending stocks. Ending stocks would effectively go to zero. I mean, that's not what's going to happen. But you're absolutely right is that, These 88 million acres that they put out in the June acreage report is an asterisk, right? Because at the time when that survey was done in mid-June, there were still soybeans being planted in North Dakota. And they have acknowledged that, and they sort of tried to build that into that number, but they do very much expect to put out a revised number in August. So, you know, eventually the supply and demand tables will reflect reality, but for now, the markets, I don't know, just either ignored the number or were reacting to other things, including the weather.
0: Okay, so behind the scenes here, this is the market analysis segment. We're going to do a Market Plus. It's separate. It's a podcast. It's on video. We have a bunch of questions that will dive in more to what Elaine is saying. But we also asked for Social media questions. And right now, let's go to the one. Let's go with Russ and Postville. basis question gets our attention for Elaine. If so much grain is still on the farm, why are basis levels so high?
1: Yeah, that was another really interesting part from the reports this week is the on-farm stocks of corn specifically uh, was 22%, which is higher than usual, higher than last year, higher than than most years, which is very clever, right? I mean, I think farmers knew going into this year that we, you know, relatively short supply or short stocks-to-use ratio, and so they had a feeling that there would be a summer run-up and a tight tight market for corn this summer and holding on to some of it. Great move. But um, he's absolutely right to point out that basis is variable. Again, I'll use the word variable because it really depends on where you are. In Iowa, you know, actually Eddieville is like thirty five over, so you've got eight dollar corn opportunities to sell in Iowa. But it is all really dependent upon transportation costs. That's that's the The textbook thing about basis right it's a reflection of local supply and demand and transportation costs so if you're in the dakotas where you've got to put a lot of rail freight on that you could have a dollar under basis if you're down in the panhandle of texas where you're screaming for grain and there's a drought basis could be a dollar over so there's just a very very wide range of cash prices for corn specifically right now could be 640 to 840 could, depends on where you are.
0: I don't know if it's. I think it's you that said this, but really, all basis is local. Yes. It's like the old saying, "All, po- all politics is local," but and, and that matters. And so everybody's story is different.
1: And w- when fuel prices are like this, it makes it makes everybody's uh, situation so wildly different. It will drive down the prices for at the farm gate for people who have to put a lot of freight to get it to a market, and drive up the prices for the end users. So it's nothing good happens when you have diesel at six dollars or whatever.
0: Let's go back to Texas, cattle country. Uh, this is a story that continues to see higher numbers of cattle getting processed. Is that's what? Is that's what? Why is that not reflecting in a up market? this week. Well,
1: you know, the, actually the cash market was, was steady to a dollar lower, like $1.38. So the cash market held up better than the futures market did. Um, you're absolutely right to point out that there's kind of a bearish feel for the live cattle and for the beef sort of wholesale prices themselves going into July, going into um, midsummer. There's sort of a sense that they will be a little bit oversupplied because the packers were so, had a, such a strong appetite in June. So yeah, I mean, I think there's some headwinds there for the live cattle market, but feeder cattle My goodness. What's going
0: on in feeder cattle?
1: My goodness. So there were some hot, hot sales this past week. Bassett, Nebraska had six weight calves at like 229. And that wasn't just a fluke. There were multiple lots that sold there. Mitchell, South Dakota, 210, I want to say. So even though like overall, and this isn't a, a really strong time of year to see lots of numbers, but when you got a room full of bidders that really wanted to put these animals on feed, despite the prices of feed, they can really get in there and bid up those calves. So uh, that was exciting. That was a really exciting thing to see for feeder cattle.
0: So what does that say long term? Because there have been people sitting in this chair for the last two months that saw the summer as an improved time. Then that timetable got moved up. Did the timetable move up, or is this the beginning of a longer March up? Yeah,
1: I think this is is the way it's going to be. I mean, the the supply of feeder cattle that are not already on feed, because we do have more of them on feed than usual because of the drought and such, so the supply that are out there to be bought yet that aren't already on feed is down something like 3%. This will continue to be the case for the foreseeable future, because our breeding herd is, of course, diminished by this
0: drought. In the hog market, though, down this week. Is that, uh, you know, Pigs, the pigs and hog report yeah. was not viewed the most positive?
1: No, the problem with the, the, yeah, the hogs and pigs, everything, the breeding herd, the whole herd, the market herd, everything was down about 1%. But particularly when you looked into the fall and winter time frame, the October and December contracts, The market seemed to be saying down 1% is not down enough, that there's this expectation of oversupply uh, going into there. I suppose because China is not buying as, as much as they were rebuilding their own herd. And so the market is trying to keep up with that expectation, but just not fast enough.
0: Uh, I'm going to tease to our Market Plus, and one of the questions that we received is about the demand globally for the meats. So we'll keep going on that one. We're going to end in the the last 10 seconds here. I I want to quickly talk about oil. That's still hovering above 100. Is that going to stay in this area?
1: Sure. I mean, the oil is one thing. It's the refined products that are the killer for agricultural producers and for consumers just driving on their summer vacations. I mean, this is the trouble, is the 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 refinery capacity. The
0: refinery capacity. We'll put a pin and keep going. Thank you, Elaine. Thanks, Paul. It was a long question. It's all on me. That's going to do it for this installment of Market to Market. We'll talk more on Market Plus, so join us there. Find that on our website of markettomarket.org. And all of these resources, as a reminder, are free. Now, here's this week's assignment. We want to hear from you. Send us a photo of you in your field. It may not be knee or head high by the 4th of July. Email that to us at markettomarket at iowapbs.org. Next week, we check back in with two producers on their crop's progress. Thank you so very much for watching. Have a great week.